as human beings, we all have limits. Uh, we have physical limits. Uh, we have financial limits. We have emotional limits. And uh, overload happens when uh, the expectations for our lives exceed our limits. Uh, the straw that broke the camel's back, it wasn't really the straw. It was the fact that the straw was the last part of an overload. Uh, we've been talking about margin, and margin is so very important. Margin is the distance between our reality and the expectations on our life, or our limits, rather. So it's the it's difference between expectations and our limits. It's uh, margin uh, that allows us to experience relationships. In fact, there's nothing more important in this life than relationships, and there's nothing more important to relationships than that margin, because relationships happen in the margin. A margin is when you have breath left over at the top of the stairs. Uh, margin is when you have money left over after you've paid off all your credit cards at the end of the month. Uh, margin is when you have sanity at the end of your kid's adolescence. <laughs> and margin is when you have time to listen and to love and to renew. And so margin is very important. You know, in just in my lifetime, there have been so many uh, time-saving devices, you'd think we'd all have margin. Because, you know, usually the lack of margin shows up first in our calendars. You think about things like uh, pay at the pump and ATM and online bill paying and microwaves. Uh, you know, even the simple uh, uh, invention of the automobile. It used to be that to travel from one side of our nation to the other side would take weeks, and now you can do it uh, in a much shorter time. With air travel, you could do it in hours. And so you have all these time-saving devices. You think about even the computer and what an impact the computer has had on our life in terms of graphic design, in terms of Word documents. Oh, I wish I'd had it when I was writing papers in seminary. And you think about, uh, you know, uh, you can go shopping without ever leaving your home and compare prices. There's so much there to save us time. And so you wonder, why in the world don't we have more time? And yet the truth is, is what... Uh, progress has really provided for us is progress has pro provided velocity. And velocity doesn't give us margin. In fact, it can take away from our margin. I mean, just think about it. Because of all these time-saving devices, life now moves faster, and so there's greater expectations on us, aren't there? Uh, it used to be that uh, back when the Pony Express was the main way to send mails, it, mail, it would take you weeks to give an answer to someone. And then the advent of the modern postal system, and then it just took days, and if you wanted to pay the extra money, you could put it on a jet, and you could send your mail overnight. And now we can send our mail in seconds. That's not always a good thing. Sometimes it's good to slow down and to write and have some time while you're looking for a stamp to think about whether or not you want to send that letter or not. And the moment it hits their desk via email or text or whatever it is, now all of a sudden they can give an immediate response which you have to give an immediate response to. And so just the very speed of the progress hasn't given us margin. What it's done is it's put more pressure in terms of expectation. We also have more options these days, which means in terms of our money and our time, we have to say no more often. And that's not an easy thing for some people to do. You know, it used to be if you missed the ball game, you missed the ball game. Well, now you can catch it on TV. And not only can you catch it on TV, you can record it. 
And if you miss Dancing with the Stars, well, you know, that's, you just missed it. Now you can spend an entire weekend binging on the past Dancing with the Stars. Not so much a good thing. And then there's the complexity that progress has brought to us. For every one of those devices, hundreds and hundreds of devices, there are manuals written by engineers. And you have to figure that out. And there's more stress because you're never unplugged. You're always available. And there's an expectation for you to be available. Progress has not given us margin. Progress has given us velocity. And velocity kills relationships. Margin is health enhancing. Margin is relationship nourishing. Margin gives us reserve so when the unexpected happens, and it will in this fallen world, we, we have a way to respond without hurting someone, including ourselves. So how do we find margin? You know, a lot has changed in the last few decades. One thing has not changed ever. We have the same number of hours that Adam and Eve had in a week. 168. And, and I'm not a proponent for being against progress. I'm not uh, suggesting that we do the Mennonite thing where we just kind of you know, unplug everything and don't use any devices. I don't think that's the answer. And I think they probably struggle with margin as well. What, what I want us to do today is to realize that we have a backdrop that has been provided for us that is more challenging than ever before in order to find margin, and so it becomes more important than ever before that we see what the Bible says about margin. If you have a Bible with you, I wanna invite you to turn with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we're gonna look at what will be a very familiar verse or verses for some of you, uh, beginning in verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, turn on the back of your worship guide, if you will, and you'll find it there. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now the context for this particular scripture is speaking about how we handle and how we approach time, but it also applies to any area uh, that has to do with margin, whether it be our physical energy, whether it be our finances, the attention that we give to anything. And I think here in several other places in the scriptures, it says that there's some things we've got to pay attention to. It says, be careful, it says. Be careful how you walk. And so how do we be careful? How do we live that out? Well, I think there are at least three ways. One is that we need to pay attention to the rhythms of this life. In Genesis, the first chapter, in verse 14, it says this, and then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven, don't miss this, to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. There is a rhythm that God has designed into this world. Uh, first of all, he created day and he created night. Has it occurred to you that we can ignore that rhythm because of progress? We now have electricity and we can pretend like it's not night. There was a day when the sun went down, you couldn't do a lot of work because you were limited in the light you could provide. Well, progress has overcome that. And as a result, taken away the rhythm of this life. There is day and then there is night. There are seasons. There's seasons where things grow and there's seasons in which things rest. Even our human body tells us this, does it not? Our heart beats and then it rests and then it beats and then it rests. Our lungs expand and then they contract 
There is a rhythm that God has embedded into his creation. Life oscillates. Now, there's a book that I discovered about 20 years ago that's still a classic for me, and it's called, uh, it's by Swartz, and I'm looking to see what it was called. I'm going to find what it was called in a moment and tell you, and then you can get it. But it talks about the oscillation of life. It talks about the fact that there is a rhythm of life, the power of full engagement. I just have to get on the right page. And in that book, he talks about the expenditure of energy and then the renewal or the replenishing of energy. Now, what we do is if we do not pay attention to that rhythm, which is a part of God's design, we do so at our own peril. There is the expenditure of energy, but also there is the renewal of energy. And what we think when we expend energy and things happen for us and we make progress, that we can keep on doing that and not rest, and that's not true. It's like a car. You get in a car and you start taking off and you're making great time, and so you look down at your fuel gauge and the fuel gauge is empty, and you say, I don't have time to get gas. Well, everybody knows how that ends, right? You will stop. You may not choose to stop, but you will stop. And you know, that's true even in our human body. A lot of people just go and go and go, and they say, I don't have time to rest. I don't have time to replenish my body. And, and there comes an event in their life where all of a sudden their body says, oh, yes, you will. And you end up resting in a hospital gown. And some of you have been there. It's a rhythm of life. It is the expenditure of energy. It is the renewal of energy. Several different gears that you can put a car in. You can put a car in park, and that's where you renew. You never fill up a car with gas while it's traveling. It's always in park when you're renewing it. And we need park in our life sometimes, don't we? God bless you for being here today. For many of you, today is parking. And then there is the low gear, and the low gear is where relationships happen. And we have to slow down enough for relationships to happen. And then there's drive. And most of us live in drive when it comes to our work and when it comes to our play. And that's okay. That's a part of living. And there's even overdrive. And overdrive happens when you have to expend an ex extraordinary amount of energy because of a particular season that you're in. For a CPA, it's tax season. For a doctor, it's right now, flu season. For pastors, it's... Easter and Christmas Eve and every day that ends with the letter Y. Just, just kidding. We all have those seasons, don't we? And we know, okay, I've got to go into overdrive during this one slice of the pie. But friends, you can't stay in overdrive all the time, can you? You just can't do it. It's impossible to do. And so it begs the question for all of us today. This is the application point. What are your rituals of renewal? What are your rituals of for replenishing the fuel that you have expended. And that's true in all areas. When it comes to physical, it's sleep and it's exercise. When it comes to the emotional, it's asking the question, what fills my emotional tank and will I do that on a regular basis? You know what refills your emotional tank because emotionally you take hits in life, in relationships and, and disappointments. And there's something that fills you back up emotionally so you can live within limits so you have margin 
For some of you, that's walking. For others, it might be creating, painting, or sewing. For others, it may be relationships, certain relationships that you pull those people who refill your tank. But what is your regular ritual that's scheduled, that happens when you're thinking about it and happens when you're not thinking about it to be a renewing ritual emotional? How about relational? For some of you, it may be a date night with your spouse or family night with your kids. It might be meals without technology turned on. But what, is, what are the limits? What are the boundaries? What are the rituals for that? Financial. See, some of you have this wonderful ritual of saving, and it provides for you margin. So when the unexpected comes, when you have to move into overdrive in terms of your finances, you've done that. For some of you, it's giving. It's both saving and giving. You say, well, Steve, how does giving provide margin? Because it causes you to be intentional about where your money is going. And the Bible promises that as you do that, as you're generous, that God pours back into your life. As you're a good steward, he provides the resources for you to be a good steward so that you're able to meet all needs. And that's a regular ritual for some of you when it comes to financial renewal is actually in giving to God's causes. What, is, what are your uh, rituals for your spiritual life? Again, God bless you for being here today. This is a part of some of you for your regular uh, renewal of your soul. As we start a brand new year, I know that some of you are here, and this is beginning a new habit for you, a new holy habit. And God bless you for being here, and I hope this will be a regular part of that renewal. Not because it makes you a good person to go to church or because it's the thing you ought to do. It's because it's necessary, like breathing in so that you can breathe out. For others, it's going to be life group experiences. You study God's word with a, a group of people that you do life together. And then for others, you've even added a personal, regular devotional of your own. And you've become a self-feeder as you've read the word of God and allow God's speak, uh, spirit to speak to your heart. The key is that you have those regular rituals of renewal. And when we pay attention to the rhythm that God has put into life, the oscillation of expenditure and then replenishing, what happens is that we create margin in our life. The second thing that we need to pay attention to is we need to pay attention to the seasons of life. Look at Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says, there's an appointed time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. I want to encourage you sometime today, if you have time, to open up your Bible and read the rest of Ecclesiastes, the third chapter. And just look at those seasons and how the scripture makes the emphasis that you have to respond differently based on what season that you're in. In fact, let me just ask you this question. What season are you in right now? Because different seasons demand a different response. There's some seasons that are predictable, uh, like in the early days of marriage without kids, and then when you have children, and when they're in adolescence, uh, you become an empty nester. There, there, there's a season of the golden years. There's a, some predictable seasons that happen, and as those seasons move along, there needs to be different responses. There's also unexpected seasons that come. A good friend of mine by the name of Bruce Miller, who is a pastor of McKinney, has also written a book, and I have it written down right here. It's called Your Life in Rhythm. You won't be able to find it. It's out of print now, but you can get an e-book of that. 
And in that, he talks about three principles to responding to the seasons or the season that you're in. The first thing he says is that we have to, depending on the season that we're in, we have to be willing to release expectations. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that many times what happens is that we carry the expectations of one season over into the next season. And the truth is, is that new season has new burdens and new expectations of its own, new requirements and new duties of its own. And if we carry the old expectations into the new season, then we'll lose our margin. Uh, for example, when Marcia uh, found out she had cancer about four years ago, my wife, that was an unexpected season for us. That was a surprise. That was not a predictable season for us, but it was a change of season. And I made a personal commitment to walk on a regular basis with Marcia through that season, as I should. But it meant that I had to release some expectations that were there before that new season came. And a lot of things changed. A lot of things got canceled. Uh, one of the things that was on my schedule was to spend 10 days in Asia to develop new partnerships in both China and Vietnam. And I realized that could be done at another time or that could be done by another person. But nobody else could stand with my wife during that time. And so that was canceled as well as a lot of other things that were canceled. Back when Marsha and I were first uh, starting uh, Lake Point, uh, we both, uh, we had uh, preschoolers. We had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, Marsha was working. I was uh, working to plant the church. In addition to that, I had a, a full load of 15, 16 hours of seminary. And, and that was a season of life. It didn't last forever. I thank God for that. <laughs> but it, it lasted for a while. And that season, I had to release some expectations. One of the things that we released, we just decided during that time frame, we weren't going to have a clean house. And, and we didn't care who thought anything about it either. We just did it was a season. And the, and the thing about seasons is that seasons change, but while you're in that season, you have to be realistic about that season. The second thing that Bruce says in that book is he says we need to seize opportunities in the season that we're in. You do realize that no matter what season you're in, we have a God who redeems, and if we hand him that season, he will bring more good out of it than evil, even the tough seasons. And we have to seize opportunities that are in that. Uh, some of you are bemoaning the fact that the stock market, the bottom fell out of the stock market this past week. Well, that's a season. It's going to change. It always changes. That means this is a buying time. We get some great bargains right now if you're buying into the stock market. It was when we were in the recession uh, several years ago that we realized this was a wonderful time for us to buy land for our Forney campus at about half of what we would have bought it for two years prior to that. We were able to purchase 20 acres that one of these days we will build our Forney campus on. Every single season is not a surprise to God. And God has a plan. And we need to seize the opportunities in that particular season. And then the last thing Bruce says is that we have to anticipate the future. Anticipated in the future is living in the season, but understanding that this season is not going to last forever. You remember the story of Joseph. He had a dream that there were going to be seven years of plenty and abundance, and then that was going to be followed by seven years of famine. And so he went to the Pharaoh and said, we need to store up grain. We're in a season of plenty right now, but we're not always going to be in a season of plenty. And we need to make plans, anticipate the future, need to anticipate another season. And many times I'm, I'm afraid we squander the margin we have in those times of abundance because we're not saving back for the time that will come. 
which is the season of lean. Also, if you're in a season of lean right now, you can anticipate the future because in doing so, it provides you hope. And there are things that you're having to do right now in this season of lean that you're not going to have to do the rest of your life, but you have to do it right now. It's not going to be forever. There will be a season where you won't have to have that kind of restriction upon you, and you look forward to that new season, season with hope. But it's about paying attention to the season that you're in. I have a friend by the name of Wayne Cordera who's a pastor in Hawaii. It's a tough gig, but somebody's got to do it. <clears throat> and Wayne, uh, several years ago, had a nervous breakdown. And he had a nervous breakdown because he wasn't paying attention to the rhythm of life. He was doing all expenditures, but he wasn't doing any renewal. And even though he's preaching to his people that they need to have rituals of renewal, he did not in his own life. And he wasn't paying attention to the season that he was in. He started that church in Hawaii and then it became a church on another island and then a church on another island and then on another. And, and what he was doing is he found he had multiple campuses but he was still acting like he was the pastor of a single campus. And he was letting the expectation of his people press him into some activities that he long ago should have delegated and empowered his people to minister to one another. One day while Wayne was jogging down a main thoroughfare, he just broke down and fell down in the middle of the street and began to weep uncontrollably. The fuse blew. And in the process of doing that and paying attention to this uh, season that he was in, he, he rethought what it meant to have balance in his life. He said it used to think that having balance in your life was trying to balance all of his responsibilities <clears throat> so that everything would stay balanced. There's family and then there's work and there's uh, taking care of his health and there's finances and, and, and what he thought is he was looking for this perfect formula to get everything and everybody in the right place so that things were balanced and then he would step back and say nobody move the problem is it always moves that's life life it, it, it's always moving and there are unexpected things. And so what he did is he changed his paradigm from having this perfect once and for all formula that would never change to realizing that during different seasons of life that he would have to move the fulcrum. And there would be times when he would give an inordinate amount of weight to family. And so the fulcrum would have to be moved there, that financial resources and calendar and emotional energy would have to move toward family because it was heavier and these would be lighter. And then there were other times when the family was in really good shape and there would be a great challenge in his work and the fulcrum would have to move over here closer to his work. And it didn't mean that he wasn't concerned about family anymore. It was just that they were in a new season and that it was about being sensitive to the season to know what he needed to do in terms of finances, in terms of his emotional energy, in terms of his time. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to reveal to us where we need to give attention and time. So we make margin when we pay attention to the rhythm that God has designed into life. And we make margin when we pay attention to the seasons that the scripture speaks of. But most importantly, we make margin when we pay attention to God's will. Look, if you will, at our text there in verse 17. So then do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, many times in my life where I've tried to create margin, I've tried to do it with systems, and I've tried to do it with organization and new uh, calendar tools, and all that's wonderful and fine, and it will help us uh, to some extent. But it's limited because there's, th- there's this thing called gravity. Uh, the, the, the scripture here tells us that the days are evil. What does it mean when it says the days are evil? What, it, what it's saying is left to itself, we will lose margin without making any wrong choices. I don't know about you, but my yard can go south without me doing anything. Have you noticed that? The, the grass gets where it's not supposed to get and the weeds come up where they're not supposed to come up. I have trees sprouting up where I didn't plant trees. And then those limbs try to get in my house. And I didn't do anything. It just happens. The Bible says the days are evil. And you can have all your systems and you have all your plans, but the tendency is for you to lose margin. And what you really need to do is you need to have a center. You need to have a force that pulls things back into orbit. I think the solar system is a great uh, illustration or a metaphor for this. You have the sun that is the center and it is where the energy is, where the power is, and it has a gravitational pull. And even though there are many planets of different sizes on different courses, and even our Earth has a moon that revolves around it, and some of those other planets have moons that revolve around them, what causes it all to be in order is that the sun is the center. And in the same way, when God is the center of our life, it puts everything else in its proper perspective. It's not about taking all your activities and trying to prioritize them. It's about having all of your activities respond to your most important relationship, which is your relationship with God. And when you pay attention to that relationship, and when you spend time in God's word to find out what is important to God and what values that God wants us to live by, then it's easier to say the no's to the things that we need to say no to. In this age of progress where we have so many opportunities, we're able to uh, uh, generate uh, energy toward those activities that will have lasting importance. And, and we're able to manage our finances without uh, Something going on that's not supposed to be going on in the back, unseen. It's dealing with the needs and the desires and the love of our life. Now, let me give you an example of the opposite, and I think it will help you understand why it's so important in terms of creating margin that we have God in the center of our life. What if being rich, what if being successful becomes the center of our life, the purpose of our life? In 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, it says, if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. That's God's vantage point. But those who want to get rich, what happens to them? The fact that they've set as their goal wanting to get rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which then plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, but the love of money, where money becomes the central issue or what money can buy is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Our time is made up of 
years, and those years are made up of months, those months are made up of weeks, those weeks are made up of days, those days are made up of hours, those hours, minutes, and those minutes, moments. And they're all arrows that we're trying to hit the bullseye, we're trying to hit the mark. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, it is to glorify God with our life. When that is the center, it makes the no's that we need to say easier and the yeses that we need to say natural. And all the trying and all the uh, systems in the world will not do that for us. It's important to pay attention to the rhythms of life. It's important to pay attention to what season that you're in. It's important to be efficient. But more important than all of that is that you understand what God's will is for your life. Let's thank him for that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you care about us, that you just didn't fling the stars into space and create the world and send it in orbit, but that you want to be intimately involved in every moment of every day. And we thank you, dear Father, that you have designed us in such a way that we can replenish ourselves and not feel guilty about that that we can have time of rest and that doesn't affect our self-esteem to have to produce all the time. And that you will meet all of our needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus that we can take Sabbath and not work and not worry about what's not being produced realizing that we're cooperating with the rhythm that you've placed in this life. Help us, dear Father, to be a witness by the margin that's in our life Help us, dear Father, to expend that margin on what matters most to you in relationships, one we have with you and others. In Jesus' name we pray these things, amen.